looking at Mary as our inspiration, I'm going to start with uh, our Christmas greeting, right? So I'm going to say it, and then you guys can say it back. May Christ be born in you this Christmas. May That's right. And when you think about that too much, it's weird. And I love it. And we're going to like dig into the weirdness, right? Giving birth to Christ this Christmas, right? Mary ends up in this situation as a teenager, unmarried, uncertain. And the Magnificat, which is what uh, Tim just read, the tone when I read it uh, this morning, I thought of her reading it like she's trying to convince herself. How could she not be terrified? Like, like she's not a robot. She recognizes what a horrible position this puts her in. Joseph's not going to believe her. He's going to assume the baby came from somewhere. And so she says, Lord, let it be, right? I am your servant. Let it be as you have said. And then she prays this prayer about bringing down the proud and lifting up the lowly. And look how God has been faithful to Israel through the years. And all of that is true. But can you hear her saying it in such a way like, please make this be true. Please. Like, like I don't picture a confident, just no doubt in God kind of a person. I picture it like, I'm, I don't know what to do. I am terrified. You need to show up the way you've shown up in the past. You need to lift up your lowly servant the way you have before, right? So can we learn from Mary how to yield, how to, um, how to trust God? So we're going to look at pregnancy as our metaphor, right? And this can be odd for us, but we, I, I mentioned it before. We use all kind of masculine imagery all the time. Football, boxing, competition, war. It's about time we use some like feminine analogies to think about the spiritual life, right? To think about what it means to be faithful. And I think pregnancy can be a, a helpful one. Mm -hmm. to, to give birth to Christ. May Christ be born in you this Christmas. And for some, it can be a really simple thing. It, Christ being born in us can be as simple as like being kind this season, like smiling, uh, welcoming the stranger, right? It can be loving one's neighbor, trying to reconcile with a family member. It can be acts of service and kindness and love, and you say Christ is born in that moment, and that is true. That is true. But I want to talk about something more complicated today. I want to talk about some of you here who have a deep feeling of dis-ease with the state of your life. It might be about work and career or relationships or just an internal sense that you aren't living the way you want to live, that you're not the person you would like to be, like there's a deep sense of dis-ease about you. And I want us to think about it like there's Joe Bankard, and then there's the part in me, right? So I'm pregnant. There's something in me, right? There's a part of me inside that is trying to whisper truth to me, that's trying to make me aware of the fact that not everything's okay with me. Things are not as they should be, 
And I want to learn how to listen to that part, to let that part out, to give birth to it so that I can become like a more authentic part, of an authentic version of Joe, a mature person of Joe. Like I want to grow. I want to go through this kind of like new birth, this transformation. And I want to think about that part in me as being Christ, the spirit of Christ, that, that we are all stamped with the divine image, the divine spark. How do we set that part free? And it can be really hard because the world has piled a bunch of stuff on us, expectations, lies. We often are the worst to ourselves. You're, you're terrible. You'll never amount to anything. Why can't you make this work, right? We, these are, this is not the voice of God. This is not Christ within it's really hard to like get to uncover the muck to get to that deep God-centered place in us and to listen. And of course, I'm guessing most of you would say like, amen, Joe, right? Like, I want that, but how? How, how do I let that, that person out? And, and I don't have like a formula. I'm just gonna give some suggestions. Uh, and many of my suggestions come from this book. So TJ, the next slide I think is a picture of the book if you can't see what I'm holding. So Sue Monk Kid. Uh, is the inspiration for the sermon series. She's amazing. She's, uh, she wrote The Secret Life of Bees and some other novels that are fictional. She's also written stuff on like Christian spirituality. But this book really helped unlock a lot of this for me. So if you're looking for some reading, I, I recommend When the Heart Waits. But she's, uh, in, in her book, she sort of cites Corinthians. So I want to go here, right? I died to the law through the law so that I could live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, right? This is like the baptism, like dying and coming up. I want to live for love, for Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is what I'm trying to get at. But it's very easy to cover over the God within us. It is very easy to not hear God's voice. And, I, and I'm intentionally doing this, and it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. I, I don't want to just talk about God coming to us from the outside. I want to talk about God speaking us from the inside. You are a child of God. Christ inside of you. It's not like you're bad, and Christ's out there, and Christ is good, and Christ comes to make you better. Christ is in there, right? Okay. So we're going to use pregnancy as some help. So some of you have actually had babies before. I'm curious, when you found out you were pregnant, right, what was the first thing that you did? <laughs> Those that are willing to share. Someone want to share? You found out you were pregnant, first thing you did? Cry. <laughs> <Does> that... <laughs> That's a very real response. <laughs> I don't even know who said that, but right. But uh, you want to know what I bet Mary did when she found out? I bet she cried. <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about? Right? That's a real response. What else? Yeah. Yeah. Like, for some, it's like the most exciting thing. I want to tell who I'm, the, my partner. I want to tell my friends, my family, right? I want to do a gender reveal and burn acres of land. I want to do something. <laughs> Cheap shot. Uh, but that's like a real thing, right? What else did you do when you found out you were pregnant? You told people, some cried. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Oh my God, the 
Yeah, disbelief, right? Yeah, what Kel's not going to tell you is the next thing she did is she ordered about 28 books on how to be the perfect parent. So the way Kel processes things, she wants to know what's happening. So what to expect when you're expecting. How to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Boom, 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 right? That's what she did. I'm like the buffoon who has no idea. I'm like, I'm sure I'll figure it out as I'm like holding babies like this. Like, they're there, baby, don't cry, right? Yeah. Yeah, like Simba. Yeah, I would hold the baby's head out here, and, I would, and then my arms would get tired. Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. I needed to read a book, but I didn't. But that, So you read, you, you share. What else? Josh and I, we didn't believe it either, and so we went out and got non-celebratory burgers and shakes so I could take another test, and we loaded ourselves up, and we non-celebrated until we had a confirmation. <laughs> then, then you celebrated. Then we God. <laughs> that was the first step. I love it. I love it. But it's true. For those that had waited or that, that wanted, like, disbelief is like a real thing. Like, you, it's what I shared last Sunday. It's what I do perpetually, which is I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be let down and I don't want to be hurt. And so I keep people at an arm's length. I will let you in a certain amount, but I, I, I feel too fragile if I let you all the way in, right? It's almost like the news will be devastating if I let myself get excited and then I'm wrong. And so you don't believe. You, you wait. I assume then many of you went and uh, bought a bunch of things. <laughs> Did nurseries, painted walls, put together cribs, took a bunch of vitamins, uh, right? There's all, yeah, Jen. I think I started imagining what the child was going to look like. Oh. All the dreams, the dreams of what this, their life would be like and what's, it, what, what's that little personality going to be like, all that. Yeah, yeah, so there's like all these visions of dreams. I love that, yes. When you got pregnant, James, what did you do first? I hope you called scientists and doctors. <laughs> As a husband, there is, I mean, I certainly did everything I could to get, stay out of the way and be helpful. That's my, that was my job, all right? What, what needs to happen? I want to help, but I, I couldn't understand. Like, there was, there's a level of disconnect where I just, I can't relate. And it was weird when the child was born, when Sullivan was born, Kel was already totally connected. Like, there was something remarkable about it and I felt like I had just invited a stranger into my home <laughs> I mean there's a something like the Christian call to invite a stranger that is having a child right you don't know each other you don't know what the, right and you're saying yes but it wasn't for Kel it was like this he is mine I I and so as a husband it was so different to the experience like it took a while it took like engaging to feel that connection Okay, so lots of stuff happens when we get pregnant. Some cry, some celebrate, some don't believe. We buy books, we get ready, we prep. It, it, we, yes, you sleep a lot, you go to the bathroom a lot, you eat a lot. But in the end, you have so little control. 
You can't push the baby out. You got to wait. Sometimes you got to wait longer than you would like to wait, right? You don't know what sex the baby will be. You don't know what the baby's personality or the person when they grow up, what they'll be like. You have no control over their genetic makeup. Nothing. It's totally, you feel, it's like you're powerless. So you do all of this emotional stuff and you, and then you wait for months. And I wonder if our spiritual lives are similar. I wonder if we can learn from what happens throughout a pregnancy. If we can learn from that about how to live maybe a healthier spiritual life. I want to read on page 134. This is Monk Kid. She says, Dear God, I thought, you do pray in me while I wait. You pray with sighs too deep for words. We often delude ourselves that we're the one praying, but really, God, it's you who prays. The act that we call prayer is a yielding to you. Allowing your prayer to spring from the molten core of the love within us. To take, ourselves, to take upon ourselves the posture of sitting while Jesus prays brings us into the most graceful mystery of the waiting experience that there is that of opening to the intimate presence of the Spirit praying within, penetrating, speaking, and holding us in the darkness. I read it and I don't like it initially because it feels passive and I want to be active. I want to do something. I wanted to do something for my pregnant wife. I'll run and get you food. I'll make sure the bed, can I help you clean? I want to do something because it drives me nuts to wait. The antsiness and the anxiety immediately floods, right? This idea that prayer is not a doing. Prayer is yielding to what God is whispering to us inside, praying over us inside, to become aware of the words God speaks Deeply within us, right? That Christ within. I'm suggesting to many of you that this is part of how we give birth to Christ. We do it by learning how to wait and to be patient. Learning that we, things are not in our control. In philosophy, there's this debate are humans predominantly self-created or do we discover our true selves, right? Do we create and do we make ourselves or do we discover ourselves? Does the difference make sense? It's like we create a bulldozer, but we discover gold in the mountain or something. And of course, it's a little bit of both, but, but what is it predominantly? And in the United States, there's this Radical emphasis on like, you can choose the person that you are. You become and self-create and self-actualize and you do it. And you know, my personality likes that. I'm a pretty competent person. I like the idea like, my destiny's in my hands. I can choose it. I, Joe, 
you can, if you want to be different, you can be different. Just make better choices, right? And oh, the horrible internal battles that come with that. It's like the war of the shoulds. You shouldn't think those things. You shouldn't desire those things. Why do you? Sh- and it's just nothing but like this internal sense of guilt and powerlessness. Sumunk Kid says that in a very real sense, the Christ part of you has been created and you discover it. There's this authentic part of you that God has given that wants to be out, that wants to be free, that wants to be in the world. Can you listen to that part? Can you discover that part of yourself and let it out, let it shine? This is like rebirth. That's going to happen many times. It's like shedding skins that God might shine through us even more. But that is not a doing. That is not active. Discovering that part in me is an accepting it feels passive, like I have, to, I have to accept myself as I am, as I have been created. You are not a mistake. The deepest yearnings, the whispers deep inside of you, that is the voice of God. Will we trust it? Will we listen to it? So part of Being pregnant and having a child is accepting our powerlessness. (laughs) Accepting we can't just push the baby out. Accepting we can't make the baby however we want. Accepting that so much is out of our control. Learning to love what is given to us. Whatever that is. And that's your job. Your spiritual job. Is learning how to accept and love what has been given to you. It's the hardest thing for so many of us to do. Does this make sense, some sense to you, what I'm suggesting? Okay. Second and last point I want to make. Because I can't resist. Because there is some stuff we can do. (laughs) It's not all passive. (laughs) So, the female body is is a miracle. It It just is. I don't... So I have some slides about what happens to the female body during pregnancy. Are you ready for this? You couldn't wait. (laughs) No, I don't want to hear this stuff. Too bad. You're getting it. All right, TJ, I think I've got some slides. It's a list. Yes. The female body, lowered immunity. Why? Well, because the embryo is only part the mother and there's a foreign body there and the body wants to attack it. That's what the immune system does. It attacks things that are not of the body. And so pregnant women have to have a lowered immune response. By the way, this makes women much more vulnerable. There's a compromise between mom and embryo or mom and fetus and the mom almost takes all the risks into herself to accommodate the baby, right? Bones become soft and flexible. Nothing like jelly bones, right? But you've got to because there's going to have to be some expanding. It's why many women end up with sciatic nerve issues and all kinds of things because the bones are doing different things. Blood volume almost doubles. Doubles. That's crazy, right? Well, now you got you're making placentas. Everyone's like grossed out. No, this is happening in the body. This is just what happens, right? And you need the, right, for the baby, 
The metabolic rate goes up, and many women know this because they're hot all the time, they're sweating, right? Because the heart's got to pump faster because you got to get more oxygen to the baby. All this stuff's happening, right? Hormones, including relaxin, which I guess it's named because it helps you relax, your joints, ligaments, all of that stuff, right? Not just your bones, joints, ligaments, all that, getting ready for birth, right? Respiratory rate to increase oxygen. Sometimes there's a realignment of spinal curvatures. The, the, the female body starts to prepare. And not just the body, right? Often mothers read books and take uh, vitamins and do prepare. Families make nurseries and build cribs and get bottles and diapers. We prepare. What I'm suggesting is that the spiritual life is similar. While we have such little control, what we can do is to prepare our hearts for the coming of the whispers of God, the Spirit of God beckoning us, calling us, reminding us that we're known and deeply loved, that deep part of us that knows something just isn't quite right. I'm not living the way I want to live. I'm not engaged in things I want to be engaged in. And we would listen to that and we say, I want to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And we prepare in part by just creating space. You can't hear, you can't listen if you don't have space, if you don't slow down. So I had this beautiful gift during sabbatical where I literally, part of it was practicing boredom. <laughs> so like I had this great opportunity to go to a monastery for a few days and went to a cabin in McCall a few times and I spent some days in San Diego by myself and I would force myself like you're not going to get on your phone, you're not going to open your computer, you're going to be bored. You're going to sit in this chair and you're just going to think about nothing. Do you know what a gift it is? Do you know that sitting there all of a sudden, I have so much that arises in me that I've been distracting myself from. So much comes up that I say, this I have to listen to. This is teaching me. But I couldn't control it. I couldn't make it happen. I just had to prepare that it might happen. You create room that, might God, that God might show up, right? Might I challenge you to slow down, to find space in your life, to take a walk, to sit in silence, to read something that inspires you, to, to spend more time in prayer, to create space that God can speak to you in real and radical ways. That the God of peace, the God who provides peace that surpasses all understanding, might meet you, might comfort you, might challenge you. I'll end with the words from Sue Monk Kid. She journals a lot, and this is a journal from her birthday, and she talks about the person inside of her waiting to be born on her birthday. She says, today is my birthday. It makes me think of the new life I'm incubating and the birthday still to come. Sometimes it seems that life is a grace too severe, too vast, too beautiful to receive, but I open my hands anyway. Today I'll talk to myself. I'll say, accept life, the places it bleeds and the places it smiles. That's your most holy and human task. Gather up the pain and the questions and hold them like a child upon your lap. Have faith in God and the movement of your soul. 
Accept what is. Accept the dark. It's okay. Just be honest. I'll say to myself, you're loved. Your pain is God's pain. Go ahead and embrace the struggle and chaos of it all. The splendor, the messiness, the wonder, the agony, the joy, the conflict. I'll say to myself, love all of it. Amen. Mm. Please stand for our closing song. brightly shining it is the night of the dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary will rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees oh he Oh, night divine. 